Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, everyone. Glad to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, sir. Let me get one of those from me. Thank you. Are you truly glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Of course, you know the scripture. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Glad to have our pastor back today with us. Amen. gone too long and so we're glad to have him back it was just a couple days but amen glad to see everyone here today that's here god is certainly a great god to afford us the opportunity to be able to gather together in his place and most importantly in his presence and um it's been said already a few times this morning, but uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Certainly you are appreciated because without you, we wouldn't be here. Amen. Amen. So that is the truth. That is the truth. Amen. So thank God for you. Continuing our lesson today, talking about hindrances to go. And if you were here last week, or if you weren't here, um, you know, we preferenced this series with the scripture, Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, where Jesus told his disciples to go, ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And so they were given a commission, they were given a task, and we talked about them being disciples, and the Bible says, if you are my disciples, if you do whatever it is that I command, if you follow my word, you obey my word, you are my disciples. And so today, those of us who live this life, obeying God's word, following God's word, living God's word, we are then considered his disciples. And so that same commission that was given back then still applies to us today. Amen. So we are commissioned to go and to do a work. Amen. Okay, maybe some of y'all wasn't commissioned, but I do believe that if you are a follower of Christ, then every effort should be made to draw attention and focus and connect people with who? Jesus Christ. Amen. So that means you were commissioned. Amen. All right. Don't fall asleep on me this morning. Stay with me. Talking about confusion. This is um, one of the hindrances to go. Like I said, the first thing he started out with, he said, go. Sometimes we find that there are some things that hinder us from even going. Going, that word go means to move. Right? 
And so, if you understand the word go, then you understand it's an, it's, it requires some type of activity. It requires us to do something, right? Go to a certain location and to accomplish whatever it is that we were tasked to do. And so there are some things in our lives that we may be able to identify that hinder us or prevent us from going. And that's what we're talking about. Specifically today, we're talking about confusion. Confusion as a hindrance to going. James chapter 3, verse 16 is where we'll begin. I was... uh, as you're turning to that scripture, I was just driving down. You know, they got the construction over here, and um, they're doing a phenomenal job in bringing about confusion and traffic. But uh, <laughs> one of the one of the things that you you if you've come that direction, you know that there's a part of the lane that you drive in. It's actually it used to be the oncoming traffic lane. And if you've driven by a part where the traffic light was, you see there's a arrow that tells you to turn only to the left. But you're going the opposite direction. So if you've never been here before, you'd probably be a little bit confused because the arrow's telling you to go one way. But where the cones are and the way the road is, you, you obviously know you have to drive a different direction. So it's, you know... It can be confusing. And you go out there, you you know, this is, certainly is not Los Angeles uh, traffic, but uh, with all them cones out there, you just kind of get confused and get a little lost. I think we saw a vehicle the other day that was driving, and I guess they thought there was a place to turn into, and there was another lane, and they realized, no, that was a cutoff point. <laughs> they drove in between the cones. It was <laughs> in the construction. So, you know, it can be a little bit confusing sometimes driving. You, okay. James chapter 3, verse 16. Everybody has it? Good. You should have your Bibles. Don't wait for it on the screen. You should have your own sword. Amen? Yes, sir. You don't want to borrow nobody else's. You don't know if it works. <laughs> Might be missing some pages. Amen? James chapter 3 verse 16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. It says, For wherever there is jealousy, I'm not going to read the other verses that's on the outline there. I'm just going to stick with verse 16. He says, For wherever there is jealousy or envy and contention, which is rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, meaning unrest, disharmony, rebellion. And then it says, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. I find this very interesting because when you look at this, you talk about envy and strife and every evil work. Essentially, it all boils down to one thing, self. Everybody point to yourself and say, me. What are you envious about? What do you have contention about? Notice that part in there says selfish 
ambition. It's about self. This is where it starts. He says, wherever you find those things, he says, there is confusion. Confusion is going to, it's automatic. And then it says, and every evil work and vile practices. So what you practice, your behavior, how your lifestyle, how you live is a result of the state that you're in. But it starts with who? You. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 19 through 21. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Most of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. We have read this numerous times. If you've been in church for any length of time, you have heard this in some sermon or some lesson. Everybody got it? Paul says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, revealed, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. What's that next word? Strife, seditions. Heresies, what's the next word? Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What are we talking about? The works of the flesh. That's the self that we're talking about. So at the end of the day, if a person is in confusion or a person is living in a state of confusion, it really starts with self, the flesh. Confusion is a situation in which people are uncertain about what to do or are unable to understand something clearly. It is the feeling that you have when you do not understand what is happening or what is ex expected. So in the world of art, you can mix colors. They say there are three primary colors on the color wheel, which is red, blue, and yellow. Interestingly enough, that's, it's pretty fascinating when you look at the fact that there are other shades, but they all surround those three primary colors. Of course, if you understand, you know, white is the absence of color. It's not a color in and of itself. But, you know, when we was growing up, we learned white was a color. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, okay. <I'll laughs> I just thought about that. Anyhow, <laughs> it is possible... <laughs> To mix certain colors, Lord Jesus help us, of paint. We're talking about paint. <laughs> it's possible to mix certain colors of paint in order to produce other colors and shades. <laughs> For example, if you mix a few colors together just right, it will produce the similitude of the color black. 
But they tell you that no mixture of colors will actually produce a pure color of black. It'll always be a lighter shade or whatever the case may be because the only black color you can get in paint is black. That's the only pure black that you can get. Okay? But the drawback to mixing these colors together excuse me, is that it is humanly impossible to separate them again. So after you've mixed them, you can't extract, right? So similar to paint mixing, there are moments when the things that we experience in life can leave us feeling a little mixed up. And as a result, we may lose our ability to think see and function clearly confusion begins with the state of mind and gradually becomes a way of life this unproductive way of life represents one of the hindrances that prevents people from accomplishing the task that jesus assigned to us people who attempt to function without clarity are destined to create chaos essentially confusion at its core listen to this is the deviation of a product from its original design and intended purpose, however slight or severe. So you think about that. The Bible talks about when we were created, we were created in whose image? In God's image. Every human being, we were created in the image of God. Right? So we know about Adam and Eve's story. You know, the fact they started out in the garden, everything was perfect. We always refer back to this because, I mean, let's face it. This was a state before confusion, before all the issues of life were introduced. This was the perfect state of the world. So it is a reference point. It is a very good reference point because look at what happened after God created everything. He saw it and he said it was good. So in the sight of God, it was good. It was good enough. Everything was in the condition that he wanted it to be in. In a perfect state. But unfortunately, and this is where I go again. You know, we talk about the dialogue that happened between Eve and the serpent. But notice, as I point out a lot of times, it wasn't the devil didn't make Eve eat from the tree. That she wasn't supposed to eat from. He coerced her. He convinced her that she could gain something from this tree, even though it was contrary to what God had already established. And then she made the choice or the decision to eat from that tree. But it was the principle of the matter that brought about the chaos that we're experiencing in our world today. The fact that she disobeyed God. Through her act of disobedience, notice what it said before she took from the tree, she pondered upon it, right? She thought about it. She considered it. However long that might have been, whether it had been a few minutes, a few hours, or a few days, we know that she had time to think about it and consider it before she made her decision. By making that decision... The principle was she disobeyed God. She deviated from the plan that God had for them, and that's what brought about confusion into our world today. 
So when you think about it, you think about folks that, you know, we live, how we live today, right? Why is it that you have folks that are living in a state of confusion? Now, you hear a lot of people say, well, I'm not confused about anything. I know what I'm doing. But your life represents confusion because you're not aligned to the purpose that God created you for. It is contrary. So that in and of itself represents confusion. Everybody with me? So it's important to understand that because a lot of times people just look at it from an intellectual standpoint and that does play a part. But it's more than just the intellect. It's the way of life as a whole. Confusion starts with the state of mind, but it eventually evolves into a lifestyle. You create patterns. You create patterns of of things that you do based upon how you think. And we talked about it. We mentioned it Wednesday night. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? If I think to myself that I am dumb, I'm stupid. If I think that for a period of time, a significant period of time, I rehearse that in my mind, after a while I'll begin to convince myself and I'll start carrying myself as if I'm stupid. That will be the first thing that comes out of my mouth when someone expects something from me and I don't live up to it. The first thing I'm going to say, well, I'm just stupid. Because I've embraced that as my identity because that was the way I was thinking. So it dictates my behavior. And that becomes my lifestyle. So I'll never graduate from high school. I'll never graduate from college. I'll never achieve anything else in life because that was the way I was. So if you're thinking this yourself, can you imagine then why it's such a big deal when we talk about what we say to other people? The quicker we eliminate confusion, the quicker we can resolve the conflict in our lives. We must rule out all confusion in order to ensure right thinking and behavior. So let's talk about some things that we can do or some things that will help us to remove confusion. We'll be focusing on three things, peace, understanding, and wisdom. We'll see uh, how many are, of them I will get through today, and if so, I may just have to pick up next week and uh, finish it off. But let's talk about understanding. I want to start off with that, understanding. So a lot of times when I talk about understanding, I like to preference it by talking about knowledge, right? So knowledge is the possession of information, okay? When you talk about I know something from an intellectual standpoint, it means that you possess information. You have information, right? That's real easy. And we receive information generally from five senses of our body. Okay, that's, that's the, the basic fundamental approach to understanding how we receive information, how the body works or how the mind works. We receive it through our smell, sense of smell, sense of hearing, sense of sight, sense of taste, right? And then, of course, how we feel, right? Being able to touch, okay? Now, they try to break it down and say that there's a whole lot more than just five senses, but when you look at it, they all tie in, so it's like, why complicate it? Let's just stick with the five. It's okay. Okay. 
So it's the possession of information, but then, and the reason why I bring that out is because there are a lot of people that may have information, but that doesn't mean that they have an understanding. So a lot of people, and that's why I say, you know, it's possible you can read the Bible and know all its contents. You have it memorized. You know, Bible, Bible quizzing, you know, it's awesome. You memorize those scriptures, it's great. You get trophies, you're like, man, they, you know, that's a walking Bible. How so? Just by memory. But what did you get from it? What do you understand about what you read? So that takes it to a whole nother level. You've got folks in the world that will read the Bible as well. You've got, I mean, some hotels still have them where you can pick them up out of the drawers and still read the Bible. You'd be surprised who's reading them. You've got prostitutes that go to the hotels and, they, and they'll read them just as much as the most religious person going through there. But the difference is what do you understand about what you're reading? And the truth of the matter is, not everybody that's reading it truly understands what the word is saying. Now, understanding, I've said this before, understanding comes from God. Understanding of the word of God comes from God. As individuals, we can present the understanding that God has given to us. We can present that and share it with you, but in order for you to get it, God has to open up your understanding. It has to come from God. You know, it's important because when you talk about stuff like salvation, if you don't understand what salvation is, and we just told you, well, that's salvation, man. You, you got it. What do I have? What does it mean to have the Holy Ghost? If you don't have an understanding, then how can you use it? How can you be effective in the things of God, Right? So you got to have an understanding. And talking about understanding, understanding is the ability to recognize the value of the information that you possess. The word value is a result based upon the measurement of usefulness, importance, or general worth. So the possession of information becomes nearly insignificant without its value. Essentially, there are three perspectives of value. So... Again, having the information is great, but what does it mean? What is the value of the information that you have? You read the Word of God. What's the value of the Word of God? What value does it have? So we're going to talk about the three perspectives. The first thing, the first perspective of value is called face value. So recognizing something that is apparent, okay, When we look around the room, it is apparent that there are differences with each and every individual in this place, right? From the top of our head, nobody should be looking at the head, to the soles of our feet, we're wearing different shoes, whatever the case may be. That was just a little joke, but, you know, I, I I look at myself in the mirror and... Every day I look, I just realize more and more my hair is thinning towards the middle. Right? So I recognize I'm not the same 
as far as physiological features, I'm not the same like I was before. When we come in here, we see differences. Some of us have long hair. Some of us have no hair, right? Some of us, you know, we're wearing lighter colors. Some of us wearing it. But that's, those are differences. It's okay. <laughs> this is, I'm not picking on nobody. I'm just telling you there's the differences. Come on now. I should have glasses, but I don't. But some of us require glasses. Some of us don't. So there are there are a lot of differences. This is this is apparent, though. Okay. So why why do I bring that up? When I was growing up, you know, we'd be in church, and if you just come in your first time coming to that church, think about this. First time coming to the church, you come in and you see. A group of guys who's dressed up in suits and everything, right? What What is your thought process? This is your first time visiting the church. You see these guys, you know, in the suits, and, and they may be clapping. What is your thought about those individuals? Somebody died? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So we got your apparent view. So I guess I better not wear too many suits there. <laughs> yes, sir. All men in the church must wear a suit. So then you would attribute the fact that those are members of the church? Okay. Okay. Anybody else? That's pretty much it. What's that? Underdressed? You would. Okay, you would think that you was underdressed? Now, like, this is the requirement, man. You come here, you got to, right? Because these are, these are guys in the church. You know what's interesting is, you know, like I said, I grew up in the city the first part of my life. And, uh, and I've witnessed, you know, you had some folks that would come in and they, had, they looked apart. And some of them would shout, Hallelujah! Yes, sir, preach on, Pastor. And these are the same individuals that you see on the street corner, drunk, selling drugs, everything else. But at face value, you would not expect that. Now, I know that we use this term, or the world has this term, don't judge a book by its cover, and that's just a cop-out to say, please, you know, don't don't look at I had I actually had someone tell me that a while ago. Hey, man, you know, you might, and, and, and was smoking a cigarette while they was walking with me, and then had the audacity to say, hey, man, don't judge a book by its cover. I might be doing things wrong, you know, right here, but I'm, all, I'm me and God, we, you know, we on good terms. This was the conversation. I didn't, I didn't even say anything to the individual. They came up to me and started telling me this, and I was just like, in other words, you want me to overlook what you're doing wrong, somehow justify your actions, make you feel comfortable with the way that you're living so that you don't have to change. Because that's the, that's the reality of the issue is just you're uncomfortable when I come around. 
because you know the life that I live. It makes you feel uncomfortable. That's, you know, that's where we are in our world today. When you look at it, that's why they are pushing the agendas that they're pushing in our world, in our society. Because it makes them feel uncomfortable about the lifestyle that they're living. What has changed about the church and, the, and what we stood on? Nothing. It's always been the way, it, the way it was, what we believe, what the Word of God says. It says the same thing. It has not changed. What's changed is my level of comfort. Now you're, you're, you're making me feel really uncomfortable. And oh, by the way, because things are more accepted now than what they were before, that increases my level of discomfort because now folks are still preaching the same thing, but now it just intensifies. So then what do we have to do? We got to shut them up. We got to drown them out. We got to make them look like rebels. But like I said before, as a church, you know, our agenda was never to be. We, we talk about military. We talk about being soldiers. But, but what did Paul say? Our warfare is not carnal. It's spiritual. There is no reason why a child of God should be going out there militant. Talking about, I'm going to stand up for what I believe, and I'm about to take you out because you don't believe it. I'm coming to your territory. Did you know that the world was going to be the world? Jesus told us. The apostles told us. You know, there should be nothing that's happening in this world that should surprise us. Nothing. It's amazing to me. We, me and my wife was talking about it on the way. It's amazing to me how many Christian folks on social media are just shocked at all the stuff that's coming out. Homosexuality, all these other agendas. Being, oh, my goodness. What's happening? All oh, the world is just going to hell. Oh, we just lost. What, what's you worried about? Did you not read? Because the world has been the world. Oh, by the way, this is not the first time that we've seen agendas being pushed. That were contrary to what God put in his word. You can look at every generation and find something that was on the rise. So we shouldn't be shocked. Now I'm not saying we should go and not be concerned. But you got folks, there ain't no reason why as a child of God you losing sleep and you, you know, you just, just distraught. I don't know what to do. Well, back to the basics. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How's your prayer life? This kind goeth not up but by prayer and fasting. Are you fasting? The Word of God is quick. And powerful, sharpening any two-edged sword. He said, take the sword, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Are you reading? Are you proficient in the Word? There should be nothing that happens in this life that has you shook up. But having an understanding, you know, we look at stuff and we talk about the face value of things. 
That's based upon what's presented before us. So when we talked about receiving information, you see, you observe and you hear, this is the face value. Based upon what's presented before you, what's tangibly put before you, that is the face value of what you have. The information, face value. But now, there is another perspective of value, which is personal value. So now I've seen, I've got, I've received the, the face value, what I, what, was, what I observed and what I heard and what was presented before me. That was the face value. But the personal value now internalizes. Because I've received that information, now the question becomes in a personal value, what does it mean to me or how do I define what I see? So we talk about people and you make your conclusions about people. Based upon what you see, right? How do I define it? Depending on your upbringing, we kind of touched on that on Wednesday. Depending on how you were brought up, what you were around will help determine how you define what you see. The other question is, how does it affect me? How does it make me feel based upon what I'm looking at how do I feel about that and then the third question is how does it benefit me or what will it produce for me now I'm determining the personal value of the information that I'm receiving this is why sometimes you don't connect with some folks Because personally, I don't value you. You can't do nothing for me. The way I feel about you right now, I don't really care about you. You know, I was talking to a gentleman. He works at my job. And, you know, he kind of told me about his history a little bit. You know, he was brought up. His dad is a racist. And so he, you know, he was brought up that way. And he said it wasn't until he joined the military that he, you know, his eyes were open and he had a different perspective on things. But before that, can you imagine? And I mean, he made that decision himself. But can you imagine just by his upbringing, what he would have determined if, you know, me working with him and we had a great relationship, working relationship and it was good. I mean, even now, this this gentleman, I mean, he's he's an officer, but. You know, we've had conversations in the latter days before I started. I'm clearing now from my unit. But before that time, we've had opportunities to talk about Christian stuff, talk about the Bible. You know, I, and I, I, I told him, I said, you know, I really enjoy this. this, is, this I like when we have these opportunities to talk about the things that we, you know, were learning in church and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, looking at him, and he's, he always, you know, he's like, hey, I, I'm not professing to be where I need to be. He says, but I'm enjoying this journey. He's even starting to recognize. He said, you know, I made it all about my career, but I'm starting to realize that, you know, really where God wants me doesn't necessarily line up with where I was trying to go. And it's so awesome. But can you imagine that at face value, if he would have went off of what he was raised to believe? Well, I don't value you because 
I don't think you can do anything for me. I was just taught you're not anything. You're not worth anything. What a contrast, right? But this is, these are the people that we are dealing with in the world today. We talk about understanding. So when you really get that, you, you start to realize these people really don't have an understanding. They don't see me as valuable. They don't see Christ as valuable. They don't see the word of God as valuable. What can it do for me? Can it give me the money that I'm really trying to get? Can it make me rich? Can it bring me the love of my life? You know, all the things that people are pursuing after in our world today, they don't have an understanding. And that's not to talk down on them or, you know, look down on them, but that's just the reality of where they're at. Lack of understanding. Here's a third perspective of value. Total value. So total value is the complete worth or significance of something. So the total value of something can be determined by the following. And we talked about recognizing the face value, what you see, right? The physical features or whatever the case may be. Experiencing the personal value. But then the third part is identifying the intended value. And this is what puts it all together. Because so far what we've talked about is what you've received. What was presented what you received on your end, but do you understand the intent? So let's think about it. Let's put it in, 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 in terms of the word of God. You look at the word of God, you see the words, face value. You understand English, whatever language you speak, you're reading it so you know the words. You recognize its context. You start personalizing it. How is this going to benefit me? Does this really even apply to my life? Or am I willing to go ahead and, and believe what it says? But then when you start putting, to, putting that together with the intent of the word, what did God intend for me to get from this? What was God's intent, God's intent for writing this or allowing this to be written? When you start putting that together, then you start getting the complete value of the word of God. That helps you understand. Now you have a better understanding. Because you've been able to process it in your mind. But as they say, when you start making your decisions, you make a well-informed decision because you have a proper understanding. Some people are making decisions and choices without a full understanding. Some people are trying to act on the word, but they don't even know the intent of the word of God. So they're trying to act off of what they personally see rather than getting the full message. What did God intend for me to get from this? Is everybody with me? This helps put it together when you're talking about understanding. Because the better I understand something, the more likely it is I'm going to make the right choices. In this life, that is the difference between those of us who have been liberated, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been exposed. We've, it's been revealed to us. The truth of the matter, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall, what, make you free, right? 
And we talked about this before. When you're talking about knowing the truth, it's not just a matter of an intellectual possession, but it's a matter of an experience. You shall have a relationship with the truth. And the truth shall, by you having a relationship with it, make you free. Right? So understanding is, is, is really vital. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I've got to wrap this up here. We're going to... I'll begin with verse 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power in Godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. There's a change of mind right there. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the, in, <clears throat> excuse me, the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Recognize that word? For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust toward one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder. You see those words again? Debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor, uh, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Look at this next part. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. These people who are in these conditions, who are doing these things, who live this lifestyle. Now, notice what it says. They had a knowledge, but they rejected the knowledge of God. But notice what the last part says. They did not have an understanding. It's not enough just to know intellectually. It's not just enough to memorize but get an understanding. The scripture says, in all thy getting, get an understanding. So, you know, 
we've got wisdom on here, and the Bible talks about wisdom is the principal thing, but it's, it talks about in all thy getting, get an understanding. If you're going to be effective in the things that you're doing, you've got to understand why you got to understand, you know, by having a personal value of the information that you're getting. When you hear the word of God, the next time you hear the preaching, take it for what it's worth, the face value. Receive it. What did the Bible say about those that were in uh, Berea? They're more noble than the ones in Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the word with all readiness of heart. And then they went back and searched the scriptures to see if those things were so. They accepted it face value. Then they personalized it and they sought God. To get the understanding, to make sure they knew the intent of the word of God. This is what helped them become more effective as a church. And today, the same principle applies. We'll wrap up uh, next week. We'll continue on with the same lesson. God bless you. Let's take a break and come back for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.